And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. Glad you're here with me again this week. This is episode 81, season 2, episode 27. We are about halfway through the book of Leviticus, a little bit short, but closing in. Our reading this week is the portion known as Tazria, and our subject focus this week is shame and guilt. There's a lot to always talk about on all kinds of subjects at all kinds of times. And sometimes sometimes the things that happen in the public domain and around the world are the things that inform us in these kinds of spaces. And when there are there coachable and teachable moments like this week. If I was still in the business of being a practicing rabbi on a pulpit, then no question that somehow, some way. If I wasn't speaking about the situation in Ukraine or speaking about a situation here at home in Israel with the different terrorist attacks this week or the Negev summit of foreign ministers earlier in the week, and I like to use cultural things to start as a jumping off point, then I probably would be talking about Will Smith and Chris Rock, of all things. But that did happen this week, and so it became a huge international story, unfortunately bigger than most things, but became a big story when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in the face for telling a slightly insulting or an insulting joke about his wife at the Oscars. What's interesting here in the context of our subject this week in Tazria is that the reading is very much about the punishment of what's called Sarat in Hebrew, leprosy, loosely translated in English, for the sake of today, we'll call it biblical leprosy because it's not the same thing as the actual uh, affliction known as leprosy because it wasn't contagious in the Bible. But what's interesting is the reasoning behind why is it that someone is afflicted with leprosy, with this malady, with this uh, affliction. And so we learn that the reason that somebody gets leprosy in the Bible is for having violated any sort of variety of commandments, things that are not to be done. Most famously, specifically, is bad speech or evil speech, speaking negatively about people, telling falsehoods about people, spreading all kinds of rumors and innuendo about others. The punishment of which then the Bible tells us is that a person is afflicted with this leprosy. And there's an entire process of becoming what's called effectively ritually impure, impure. And then there's an entire process of purification that follows in the next week's reading. And so why is it coming up here is because specifically as it relates to that event this week, certainly being slapped in the face on public television in front of maybe a 1,000 or 2,000 people in the room and on national television and then on the internet, seen across the world, can be deeply affecting and embarrassing. And imagine that on some level, Chris Rock was embarrassed. And on another level, he felt bad because whatever it is that he said upset someone, hurt someone, he was 
I don't know if to say that he was innocent in the sense that he didn't know about the person's own illnesses and afflictions in saying that joke. But the response from the person who perpetrated it, Will Smith, was that he said that he was embarrassed. And so I was thinking about specifically that term, because when does that term come up? When are we embarrassed? So typically speaking, we're embarrassed by something when, you know, it um, something happens and it's, it's light. We get embarrassed by something. We turn a little bit red by something. That's when embarrassment comes in. My sense feels like he should have been more than embarrassed by having done that that he should have felt some level of guilt or some level of shame for having done that in such a format, in such a fashion to another human being. And again, leaving all, all reasons, the, the aspects around it aside, leaving the, the, what people talked about in the public, to me, it's a very sort of coachable, teachable moment around four terms, shame, guilt, embarrassment, and humiliation. Because what I feel like is that someone like Chris Rock, who said the joke, who made the joke, who effectively then on some level, if you want to call it, triggered the other people that warranted his being slapped in the face, probably felt a little bit humiliated. Humiliation is worth an embarrassment. Embarrassment is light. Embarrassment is like when you drop a glass and it shatters and everybody claps in the room. So you feel embarrassed by it. And you sort of, you know, again, you turn red, you get a little bit of warmth, you feel that heat, and you want to sort of run into the other room. And then you run into the other room, and then a minute later, it's pretty much over. And you might even share it at some point later on, oh, this like light, embarrassing moment that happened in my life. Humiliation is sort of a next step up, because humiliation happens more often in the cases where you don't think it's warranted. It's unwarranted, it's undeserved, it's beyond the scope, perhaps, if you want to go action for action, then humiliation is at next level up. And so someone yells at you for spilling milk. Yeah, so, okay, you made a mistake. You spilled the milk. It was an accident, even if it was on purpose, whatever it is. But someone unloads on you with all kinds of language and all kinds of, you know, comments and curses and all kinds of other things for spilling milk. That And it's in front of other people. That could be humiliating. That's a deeper sense of, of the experience that you just went through. That's humiliation. I don't deserve that. And also you can see that a person, when they're humiliated, that can lead to some level of hatred of the person that humiliated you. That is one or two levels. Shame and guilt are sort of above that. And so what's important to sort of appreciate in the biblical context this week is that in the environment in which, generally speaking, the Bible is not a shame culture. The Bible is more of a guilt culture. It's more of, I did something wrong, and I have to repent, and I have to be forgiven for what I have done wrong. There's maybe some punishment that's meted out, but it's a guilt approach. It's the sense that whatever it is that I did, and if I did it to somebody else, or I did it purely towards God, that that's sort of the way that relationship works. So guilt is very much about action. I did something wrong. I did something bad. It's an action. Shame is much deeper. It's not that I did something bad. It's that I am bad. I am dumb. 
I am stupid. I am worthless. So Brene Brown, in many of her works, and I've quoted her numerous times, I think she might be the most quoted person on Coaching with the Bible, really goes into this. And so it's really important to appreciate the difference between shame and guilt. Guilt is something I did. So I look at something or I did something that was bad and someone says to me, no, that was bad. You're better than that. You can do better than that. And yes, there's a consequence to your action, but it doesn't mean that you're bad. Shame is that deeper sense that it's all-encompassing. It's everything that I am as a person. I am bad. And so whereas generally speaking, the Bible is very much about guilt. I did something bad. Therefore, I have to, you know, apologize, ask for forgiveness, repent, offer penance, offer some sort of an offering at at the temple, whatever that is. In the case of the leper, in the case of evil speech, in the case of the person who warrants this punishment, this is a shame punishment. Think about how this goes out, right? We have, according to Maimonides, the way this plays out is that person is speaking negatively about others. Maybe they're doing it in private. And the first indication of something wrong here is that there's a blemish on his walls or her walls. So it appears that you maybe you try to scrub it out and get rid of it or you cover it with a picture so that nobody can see it. And then if you continue with the action and the behavior, then it ends up on your clothing, right? So it's not that it's contagious. It's that it's spiritual malady that has moved from your walls to your clothing. And now it's harder to cover, like it's on your shirt. So it's like a stain, right? It's a stain on your clothing um, that's impossible to sort of get out. But maybe you can cover, you can put a sweater on, a jacket on, another layer on, whatever that is. And then it moves from your walls to your clothing to your person, and now it's on your body. So it's on your arm, it's on your leg, it's on your face, it's on your head, it's on your chest, it's all wherever it may be. It's a it's an it's an encroaching malady known as leprosy, biblical leprosy, because the person has not ceased to act in this manner. And then the result is the punishment. The punishment is that the priest comes and the priest declares you impure, that you are a leper. And so the next thing that happens is the stigma. There's a public mark of dishonor, right? So you have to dress a certain way. You have to walk around uh, and say things about yourself, basically, that I am unclean, I am impure in the public space. You have to look unkempt. And then there's a sense of being ostracized. That's the language that Robert Sachs uses in his article in the book Studies in Spirituality on this week's portion, stigma, then ostracism. The person has to be excluded physically from the community, from society. They are removed. It's not like they just stay in quarantine, in isolation in their basement like we've done for the last couple of years, potentially with corona, but rather they are out. They're not only out of their own home, they're out of their own neighborhood, they're out of their own community. In the biblical tribal sense, they're outside the tribes, they're outside the entire camp, they have to be alone and separate. We'll get back to that point, I hope, at the end here. So that's shaming. Like, how do you explain, oh, where's your husband this week? Business trip? Not exactly. He's actually a leper this week, right? He He didn't go on some plane ride somewhere. He's out and it's public and it's known and that's shaming. That's different than what typically happens. The way it's described in Psychology Today article is that when you feel guilty, 
is because I'll say I hurt my friends. So I feel guilty because I hurt them. I might also feel ashamed that I might be the sort of person who would behave that way. In the context of the Bible, so I feel guilty that I spoke negatively about my friend, relative, neighbor. And then on the next level of that is not just the guilt of having inflicted that upon somebody else, it's that I feel ashamed that I might be the sort of person who behaves that way. They might stem from the same root, but guilt goes one level and one distance and shame goes ever further, encompassing. Guilt is easier potentially to uproot, where shame is harder to uproot. Guilt is falling short of our own moral standards. Shame is falling short of cultural societal moral standards. Guilt is constructive, potentially. We'll talk about that in just a second. Shame is debilitating. When a person feels ashamed, when they feel like they have been shamed, there's nowhere nowhere out of that. They can't get past it. They can't move into a space of repentance, of fixing, of, of reconstruction, of doing the work to get back. Guilt gives that space. Guilt, where I perhaps seek forgiveness, gets easier after I put it out there. But shame, shame is deep because it's about who we are in our essence. And so it sits and it stews and it churns inside our being and it overwhelms the rest of who we are. It may also be that shame is something we think we deserve. It happens enough, continued sense of shame about who we are. Something happened to us. We're deeply ashamed about the fact that it happened to us. I think there's a book, I I forgot the context. I think it's abuse related. It was, I think it's called uh, The Shame Born in Silence. And it had to do with the issues of uh, physical and sexual abuse. The shame comes from the idea perhaps that Society deems that we deserve what happened to us. And so we hide it, we bury it, and then it has massive power over us. And that's what happens here. The person with biblical leprosy is removed from the camp. They're deeply ashamed. They've been stamped as unclean, impure, unfit for being part of the community. And so the way God sets it up in the Bible is that the person has to be removed entirely from the camp. And that slowly but surely over time, they're able to get back to it. Perhaps during that isolation period, that quarantine period, the person is working through the shame and get past the shame and working now into a space where they're focused in on the guilt of it and repenting from it and then perhaps being able to recoup from it and get back into the world around us. And so we have to appreciate that that's the case. And why is it so bad? Let's take that for a moment from the Bible side. Is because we are a people of words. The Bible is a, about religion and faith based on words, the sense that humanity differentiates and separates itself from other species through language, communication in that format. And that when we violate that, we're effectively violating a covenant and a trust between the people 
around us. By putting that out there, by saying these false statements about others, we are basically saying that we don't value those relationships. We don't value the trust. We don't value the commitment and the covenant between us and other people. And so God says, uh-uh, not going to work here. Got to get out of here. You got to be removed entirely from society. And you have to be proclaimed unclean and unfit. So whereas typically speaking, if you did, you transgressed something, it's something between you and God, it'd be you and one other person, and you transgress and you ask forgiveness and you do what you have to do. Here it's, no, it's just public. This is the worst thing you could have done. The most fundamental violation. It's uprooting and corrupting the basis of the society, and that can't stand. And so that's where that lives. That's what's going on. We have shame, guilt, embarrassment, and humiliation. Those four terms. The Bible, with respect to the person of the leper, is really dealing in the space of shame and guilt. And it's important for us to appreciate that in our own lives, we need to zoom in on guilt if it is that we've done something bad. The idea that, as famously, hate the sin, not the sinner, you know, when that happens, it's like all the bells should go off, someone did something bad, but the notion is that exactly right. You did something bad. The action was bad. You are not bad. And so it's important then to appreciate, so how, like, how do we get out of that? Like, what do we do with that? So there's, an, uh, there's, a, there's a blogger by the name of Mark Manson who wrote a very well-known book that appeared in the New York Times bestsellers for a long time. I may have mentioned him before, but the truth is I can't possibly say the name of his book um, on the podcast um, because it includes an, ex- an expletive in the title, um, which... I think precludes a lot of people from reading a lot of the things that he writes, but that's just who he is as a person, and that's the way he talks, and that's the way he writes. But if you can get past it, he has some actually brilliant insights and some really interesting things to say. And so uh, Mr. Manson wrote an article on specifically on this subject. So, like, what do you do with that? So if you're living in shame, if you're living in that space, how do you get out of that? What is a practical approach to moving away from shame, maybe into guilt, getting from shame to guilt, and getting from guilt to freeing ourselves of that guilt. And so the first thing is to appreciate, step one, is separate what you've done from who you are, which is what we've talked mostly about here today. It's also appreciating, really, which of the different things is this? Is this shame? Is this guilt? Is this embarrassment? Is this humiliation? Like, which one of these things happened to me, or did I bring upon myself through my own actions? So first, separate what you've done from who you are. Really important. Get really clear. Don't judge it. Just understand it and acknowledge which one it is. Number two is for yourself to empathize with the real reason as to why you did what you did. Why did you sabotage that project? Is it because you hate your, you know, your colleagues and your teammates? That you hated the project? That you upset that you're on it? Or is there something else that's more about you and your own circumstance and your own situation and has nothing to do with anybody else? So really get clarity and empathize with the real reason you did what you did. 
The next one is something that we've talked about in the, in the in sort of the repentance cycle anyway, which is sort of the go get it attitude for next time. Is that don't dwell in it and don't allow it to, don't allow it to you know churn in there. Don't allow it to um, metastasize and become worse. Don't let it stew in you. It's sort of an acceptance about what you did and an acceptance about who you actually are and that who you are is not what you did. And then that the next time it comes along, really crucial, no way, no how am I going to operate in that same manner. So if it's the evil speech of the Bible, I'm not going to talk that way. That circumstance comes up, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say something nice or I'm just going to walk away from the circumstance. If it's Will Smith, I'm not going to slap Chris Rock in the face a second time. I I'm being um, facetious there. But that's really important. That go get it for the next time. The fourth thing here I think is really important is to share it even when it hurts. If you're ashamed, if you feel that sense of shame about something, so unburdening yourself of that to somebody else, someone you care about, someone cares about you, really helps you. It's like therapy or a support group or friends. They're not judging you. They want to be there. They want to help you. They want to support you. They want you to live your best life. Share it even when it hurts. And then the last thing here is to choose your values. This goes back to sort of the punishment aspect of the leper in the Bible. Choose your values. If you feel ashamed or shame, it happens to all of us. We all, it's universal. It's a universal feeling. We all feel it at certain points that we are ashamed or ashamed by the things that we did or who we are at that moment or in that moment or how people perceive us in those spaces. If we do feel shame or ashamed, that is also though telling as to what it is that you do value. Because you want to be part of the opposite. And so by doing what you did and being removed from a certain circumstance and wanting to get back into that tells you that that's your value. That's your ultimate interest. That's where you want to be. And that's important. So in the biblical sense, what happens with the leper? He or she says what she says, does what she does, gets this punishment. Now what happens is they cannot get out of it on their own. They require a priest to declare them unclean. Even if they have the knowledge and the ability to declare themselves unclean, they cannot. They require somebody else to declare them unclean. One. Number two, they are then forcibly, effectively removed from the community. And then everything that they're doing afterward is to get back to the community, to get back to their neighborhood, to get back to their home. Because realize that to be alone, to be out there in the wilderness by yourself is not ideal. But to have the Kohen or the priest come to you on the flip side to tell you about wonderful things and good things and to learn with you and to study with you and to raise you up in spirituality is what you want. To have mentors and leaders and teachers and educators who are like that is what you want. That's the value you have. To be in your home with your spouse, with your children, with your family, it's the value you seek to be a part of. And so appreciate that, yes, you, in the moment you might feel ashamed or you might have that sense of guilt about what you did. But the reason you feel that way is not outward, is not because necessarily everything that's happening in the outer world and society and culture around you 
It's based on what's happening from within. Your self-worth, your self-relationship, how you view yourself, how you think about yourself, maybe how God, how you feel, how in your faith God perceives you. That's your values. And ultimately our values determine our shame. And so the biblical leper teaches us a massive amount about these really key values and key terms. It's really important that we are able to distinguish and understand the difference between them, to appreciate that we are not shameful people, that we should not be ashamed, that we should be proud, but also appreciate that on occasion, we will feel shame, we will feel guilt, and we will feel embarrassed and in some situations even feel humiliated. And hopefully, hopefully, not on the grand scale or this grand stage as it was this week with someone like Will Smith. That is the coachable moment for the week. That is coaching with the Bible for this week. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great one.